This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Ask Rabbi Yom Tov uh, here from Jerusalem. Um, this particular um, episode is, uh, you know, it's now Monday. I think it's um, June 29th, I think. Yeah, is, is, is tomorrow the first of a new month or it's the 30th? I don't know. So anyway, June 29th, and uh, we're going to start with Alicia's question. Alicia's online. If you're on Facebook Live, please um, send your questions. And I'm just letting everybody know that that there is, I'm starting a new webinar, which is a, a completely new thing that uh, a lot of my graduates, you know, I have 9,000 graduates from the Possible Youth Seminar. And the... And they've always asked me, like, when are you making another seminar? And so I'm doing it. And it's starting, um, it's supposed to start next week, actually. It's called Desire, Capture the Fire. Yeah, Desire, Capture the Fire. And it's basically how to harness your, your, um, your will, harness the power of will. And uh, that should be an amazing experience. And it's kind of like next level. So possibly you graduates should definitely get over there. And I don't know if Zoom can handle 9,000 people, but, um, but uh, anyway, I'm hoping you're going to sign up. It's every Sunday. We called it, these are, this is part of a series called Sundays with Yom Tov, and the first one is a seminar called Desire, and it's going to be four weeks straight, Sundays. I don't know how much it costs, but I think it's like 149 for the four sessions. It's eight hours of work. Um, that's good. Okay, let's get started. Alicia, what's your question? So my first question is about um, the education system in the kind of yeshivish and Haredi world. Uh, I guess in Eretz Yisrael and in, in uh, outside of Eretz Yisrael, it's going to be a little bit different. But, um, you know, they, they, they have here um, in, in America, they have these kind of uh, yeshivas for, 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 for people who are um, off the derach or they're kind of at risk. And um, I'm wondering, you know, if, if we should really start having those type of programs for kids who are in elementary who don't fit into the box and, and, and the system is not really working for them. So I just wanted to ask you about, you know, uh, the, the system, you know, how, how it is today and if you have any thoughts about that. Okay. Um, I like that question. I think that's an important question. And, and the question is, uh, do we have to wait till they're falling through the holes of our education system before we start taking care of them? So, um, you know, the education system in general is generally undermanned, underfunded, under everything. You know, it's under <laughs> and it's and that's the way it is in general. And and what happens is that the that like anything, you got to cater it to the biggest population you can. Um, and it's got this extra catch as and that is that it's uh, the education systems are full of informational material. You know, there's intellectual property that's being conveyed. And because of that, so so now we put it all together underfunded yeah um understaffed usually um but underfunded you put that together with intellectual uh property and so 
And so we've got, so we only have enough for one, so we're going to have to hit the most people as possible. And what happens when you go for the most people as possible is you go for people who like intellectual property is who you're ultimately speaking to. Now, um, how many people like intellectual property? You know, if you had 100 people, how many would like intellectual property? So first of all, you have, you have men and women because boys and girls are in the school system. So, um, <coughs> whoa. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> thank you. So, intellectual property is less interesting for women. That's a statistical fact. It's less interesting for women. So, they're already out. Um, also, then, when you have human beings, you always break them, into, break them down into three parts. There's intellectuals, interpersonals, and then instinctuals and uh, mean more physical. And of those three, intellect and uh, interpersonal and instinctual, uh, the breakdown is that um, the fewest amount of people are intellectuals, meaning who just like ideas. The next is people who like people, interpersonals. That has, a, that's about a 50, 50, about a 45, 45 split between interpersonals and instinctuals. So for example, uh, I would say you're more in interpersonal, Alicia, than uh, Chesky. And Chesky's a little more instinctual than you are. And, um, and, um, and people who just like ideas are, um, you know, I don't know. I, I would say, I'd say both of you are probably equally interested in ideas, but that's not your main priority in life. Um, so... What happens is the educational system, because it's more, it's going to be giving over intellectual property, it's going to be focusing on this really small percentage of people. And, um, but what do you do if you don't have the manpower? Now, here's the, here's the option. Here's my idea. I mean, is uh, drop the intellectuals. Drop the intellectuals and do a much more interpersonal and instinctual education. for the whole education system. Um, and what will happen is the intellectuals are going to find it by themselves anyway. And you can also have extracurricular classes that they're going to attend, that they'll more naturally tend towards. Um, go ahead and give them that, um, give them that, you know, they can go do that. They'll, they'll have uh, what to do with themselves. But as far as watching out for those kids, it's usually the answer is really the parents. Parents... You know, for probably 80% of kids in an education system, when your kid gets home, that's when you do what's called damage control. And uh, when your kids get home, that's where you start to, um, you know, really honor and, and promote and develop their creative, their creativity and their, their uh, you know, they, then things have to be land right in the pocket because as parents, our job is to really be on the pulse of how our kids interact, whether it be intellect, interpersonal, or instinctual. And then we have to work with them via their actual USB cable interface. So then that's, that's what's appropriate there, is just to interact via that interface. Okay, um, next question. Um, Alicia, I can still go with your questions. By the way, those, uh, the few people there on Facebook um, feel free to send in a question, and I'll be happy to to answer it. 
Okay, I, I have another question. Yeah. So this one, um, uh, with everything going on in the world today, it's very interesting that it seems like our best friends are are kind of the Christians, who have historically uh, not been our really our friends. And um, I'm just wondering what our attitude should be towards them. Um, what should our attitude be towards these uh, Christians? So, um, right. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it's definitely a. a situation. Um, I don't know if you know those terms, but regarding our attitude towards Christians, hey, Paul Carpenter is watching. Uh, uh, feel free to send questions, guys. This is I miss you too, Paul. Feel free to um, to send uh, questions uh, on uh, on Facebook. And Paul, love to hear your questions. Um, so normally, when it comes to Jewish people, you have the you have a uh, basic rule is uh, when you meet a stranger, chavdehu vechajdehu. Chavdehu is the word kavod, and chajdehu is the word choshed. Uh, so regarding chavdehu, um, that means that you um, honor him as if he's a hundred percent trustworthy. Chajdehu, don't do anything stupid. Okay, don't do anything stupid. I'm in my music studio, Paul. By the way. Um, my, my son is a music engineer, so I'm in here. Um, but I've, I've turned this into my studio for all my work now since Corona. So you get that? You get that? So now with Gentiles, it's first wonder what the agenda is, then honor him with a Jew. First honor that he's trustworthy. You know, expect him to be trustworthy. Hajdeo means like, you know, don't don't give him your bank codes, you know, like your bank passwords before you get to know the guy a bit. You know, like let him prove himself worthy of of more um, more sensitive information in your life. You know, they gotta they gotta earn that trust. And um, and where as Gentiles you can start with Hajdehu. Hajdehu means to first be leery. And then, uh, and then be, and then honor them. So when Christians are being our our good friends, um, to, you know, wonder what the agenda is, what are they after really, and um, and it's probably some narrative. You know, there's probably some Christian narrative that has them being nice to Jews because, as you said, it has they have a long history of not being so nice, and so. And so, you know, so then there's, you know, that obvious question is why are they being so nice when, um, you know, what's in it for them to be so nice? So like, for example, let's say in the Middle East, how Christians react, interact with Jews in the Middle East is, you know, Christians have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of property here in the Holy Land, lots and lots, way more than any of you realize. There are churches and monasteries like everywhere, massive tracts of land, um, None of which, according to Jewish law, are able to be owned by them. Um, quite the opposite; those those lands are not uh, available to them. But guess who else is in the land? Muslims, and many of them are radical. And Muslims do not like Christians, not even a little. And um, and uh, and so because they have the Muslims who, and the Muslims are not very moderate compared to the Jews. So 
So Muslims will be happy to like burn down churches and stuff and remove access and, or make the area too dangerous for Christian pilgrims to join and be part of. So a good example of that is, uh, is uh, Bethlehem. Bethlehem is, uh, you know, it's got a lot of Christian, um, a lot of Christian uh, real estate that would be on the pilgrimage cycle, but, you know, like it's not safe there for them. And they've even had major incidents. You can Google or YouTube, you know, actual, uh, you know, standoffs where they're going to be lynched in their monasteries. So, so for that reason, you see already that it'd be good for the Christians to be friends with the Israelis, because that's a that's protective for the Christians to to be friends with the Israelis, and and so that's there's a lot in it for them. So that's Chajdehu is what's their agenda. And the agenda is you know, to protect their, their, um, holdings here in Israel and, and keep a foot in the door for their tourists and pilgrims and whatnot. And, um, uh, and, and that's, that's really important before you have any, you know, before you honor them, you got to know who you're dealing with and what they're, what this is all about. You know, what's this friendship all of a sudden after, you know, there's a hell of a lot more Christian blood Sorry, there's a hell of a lot more Jewish blood on the hands of Christians than Muslims. Our history is much worse with Christianity than, than Islam. Islam, we've definitely, there's been blood spilled with Islam, but it's nothing compared to, to Christianity. And um, so, so our, our job is to, to, you know, be really aware of the agenda in all our dealings with them. Okay? And... Um, and then I have a question here coming in from Paul Carpenter. I'm not sure where he is this, in this day and age. But um, I'm kind of wondering where he is. So he asked, what is the biggest problem facing the Jews in today's world? Um, and he said, uh, specifically in, a, in uh, North America, I imagine he would include Canada in that group. Um, so what's the biggest problem facing them? Um, I would say, you know, that's a, that's a pretty tough question to be asking me. I would say the biggest problem facing the Jews in North America is, I think it's their, their lack of mobility to, um, you know, you, you, a Jew in exile is supposed to be, you know, pretty footloose. You know, you don't want to be, you don't want to have your, your foundations too deep. You, you need to be able to get out. You know, if necessary, you need to be able to get out. And um, I think my sense is that that probably the biggest problem underneath it all is that people couldn't leave if they wanted to. You know, maybe <clears throat> maybe young marrieds could uh, could leave, but um, uh, I think that's basically it. I think another thing is they're they're addicted to to uh, to. to the um, materialism. I think that's another big one. People are used to the uh, creature comforts. You know, they want to be able to drive their, you know, their big SUV into, uh, into Costco and load up in one-stop shop in there and, and, you know, get in, get out. And uh, so I think there, there's a lot of creature comforts that they're used to. Um, So I think that's a big one. 
uh, I think that um, probably uh, left-wing kind of millennial liberalism is... Uh, Something. If I can ask the 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 gang on uh, Zoom to keep your cameras on, I'd appreciate that. So, Yoeli and whoever's on the Galaxy S nine, if you could have your cameras on, it'd make this much more pleasurable than just talking into to your uh, the, the words on your phone. I'd appreciate it if you could turn on your cameras. That'd be great. Um, anyway, um, I think that the the left wing millennial, you know. Uh, meaninglessness, um, kind of atheistic style of things out there is, um, I think that's also a major problem facing, facing the Americans today. Um, I think a lot of Jews probably, at least the non-observant Jews probably, uh, are, uh, believe in those, <laughs> quote unquote values I call it quote unquote values because when you let things go meaningless values are the first thing to go uh, meaning that they're just you, you lose your whole kind of the whole moral contract ultimately you know it all becomes quite uh, um, subjective and and so um, I think that's a big big problem facing the, them I think the modern orthodox are probably apologetic to those uh, schools of thought and the only people you're going to find who are not apologetic are going to be the people who are uh, more in the black hatitude community. And, um, but, but then you hear back to the first part is they're so entrenched there in the society that, that, uh, the majority of them couldn't get out if they wanted to. And, um, there's no way out really. And, and, and which is why they talk about Mashiach so much, those guys, you know, because it's like, it's, uh, they know they can't get out. They're stuck there. And they're going to go, they're either going to go down with it, or they're going to be, um, or they're, you know, the wishful thinking is that, you know, Mashiach will come and they'll get, and he's going to, like, take them out of there. But that's all expecting that you don't have to have merit to get out. Because, you know, if you're someone of merit... So you would have left on your own. <laughs> like you would have put the, you'd have done the math and just gotten out of there a long time ago. So, so like expecting that in the messianic era that God's gonna just say, oh, yeah, you want to play, you want to play dumb for, uh, you want to play dumb for uh, seventy. I don't know how long ago the war was. Now it's forty-five, so it's about seventy-five years. You want to play dumb for seventy-five years, and then. Uh, and then, you know, we're supposed to have mercy. I don't see the world working that way. I don't see my, my home. You know, one of my kids wants to act like an idiot. He's going to pay for that. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be so merciful. You know, if he, if he wants to turn a blind eye on what's respon the responsible thing to do. And now we're all leaving on it. We're all going down to the park to play Frisbee and have a picnic. He's not coming. He's just simply not coming. We're not going to bring him. You know, he'll stay in the house by himself. You know, a kid decides he's, he's, you know, he's not going to do basic math on, on, you know, responsible life. So now people might contest me and say that they're, who says they're being irresponsible? And, uh, but I would refer them to the Tanakh and to Chazal, who, um, 
who in non-Messianic times were very, very clear about their relationship to Eretz Yisrael and, and were either there in Eretz Yisrael or they were moving there or they were stuck outside but trying to get there like the Rambam who's buried in Tiberia when he finally made it there and or, um, or the Yosef uh, um, Karo and all, all the great say, great uh, Aharonim who made it there, the Rishonim who made it to Eretz Yisrael, the the, um, and one of the one of our sages, there's a Tana, who um, was that in Amor? I don't remember. Who, when he came to Eretz Yisrael, he fasted some eighty something fasts, just to forget the Torah he learned in Babylon in exile, because he didn't want the Torah, the same Torah, but the Torah he learned in exile, he didn't want it to taint his Torah that he learns in Israel. So he did all these fasts to forget all the Torah. That he, he learned out there, and there's also, and there is a Tana that holds that anyone who does the mitzvahs outside of Israel is only practicing till he gets back. That there are no mitzvahs outside of Israel. So, doesn't mean you're allowed to break Shabbat. You have to keep Shabbat, but you're practicing to have Shabbat in Israel. So, anyway, all you have to do is look at our sages and look into the Torah to know that um, that you belong here. So. So I think it's wishful thinking to think you're, you're coming to the park to play frisbee, you know, when you're when you're you're gonna you know just turn a blind eye, and then and then and then you have like, you know, you have to have you have to be willfully blind. I mean, there's one thing being blind because you were raised there, but but you have to be willfully blind to follow the modern state of Israel's history and see the miracles that took place in 1948, the Yom Kippur War. 67, you know, on the sixth era, which is, on the sixth week, which is um, yes, Yesod, on the sixth, sorry, <laughs> try that third time, on the sixth day, which is Yesod, of the sixth week of the counting of the Omer, which is Yesod, Yesod should be Yesod, um, we had a six-day war where, without even barely lifting a finger, we got, we doubled the territory we got back to Temple Mount. We got our east-west borders to the night, to the uh, Jordan River, and and the and it ushered in an entire Balchuva uh, wave that lasted till probably two thousand and five at least, a massive wave of Balchuva who who got the calling back towards back towards Judaism. So you want to ignore that? You want to ignore all that stuff? You know, they, they, uh, they, there's miracles here, and every time in Israel, uh, what did one of the prime ministers say? I think it was Ben Gurion, who was not much of a observant Jew, but he said, or maybe it was Perez. I forget. It was uh, anyone who um, anyone who lives in Israel and doesn't be believe in miracles is not a realist. Okay, uh, uh, let's see if there are more questions on Facebook before I come back to Alicia. Um, oh, yeah, uh, Paul's saying there's a movie called The Hollywoodism, <laughs> which is, you know, makes it sound like a religion, Hollywoodism which is how the Jews made Hollywood and how it was stolen from them during the McCarthy era. Okay, that sounds interesting. 
Um, okay, let's see if there are any questions. Okay, we're good with those questions. Uh, someone wants the Zoom link. Uh, anyway, Alicia, you have the Zoom link by any chance? Uh, I'm not sure how to get that to you exactly. Yeah, I'm, I myself don't know how to get it right now. Um, okay, Hesky, you have the Zoom link or it's it, you'd have to... Are you on a phone? Maybe you can go out of just... Uh, I have it on my email. Uh, so if I you're, can on, send you it in the, I can send you a WhatsApp. That won't be helpful. You can tell it to me if you go to the email. Someone wants it. It's not a number. It's a oh, it's a link. Regular uh, link. Uh, never mind. So, so Ivan, you're gonna have to get it another time, please. I don't know it by heart. Um, just getting. Okay. Some... Yeah, it's eight five seven. here it comes. Here comes the Zoom link. One sec, don't, I'll type Eight, it five, in. Yeah. Hold on, I'll type it in. Just getting some water. Okay. Yeah, 857. 843. Mm-hmm. 85-149. That is really hard to remember. 149. Okay, we got it. Thank you, Alicia. Hey, wow. Arnie has joined us. Arnie, you got to put on your camera. I got to see your face. Give me that. Give me that face. Okay, Alicia. Alicia, what's your next question? I don't know what that was. Okay. But yes. Yeah, so, so, so the next question um, is about. Uh, the Jewish community's involvement in the government and politics. Um, you know, there are times, uh, especially in, in in areas that have uh, lots of Jews, where 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 Jews to, they, they they want to um, uh, for 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 their, their their rights or for things to go on. But but, but, but what happens is, he, 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 um, oftentimes he, even. If, if they have good arguments, it makes uh, anti-Semites very angry and gets them really riled up. And I'm just wondering... Meaning the Jews, uh, when Jews are getting their, their own representation for their own needs in, uh, in uh, government. Right. It gets so the, the Gentiles is, right up, riled up. Yeah. So the question is, should we be, you know, trying to push for schools and for different uh, programs... And, and, and things like that, or is it better to be quiet and realize, look, this isn't really our home. Uh, let, let's not stir the boat. <laughs> that is a great question. So, so I think the answer is to to yes, take advantage of your rights in a country that allows you to get certain benefits. Meaning, if the country is allowing those benefits, hey, Arla, the, if your country is allowing those benefits, then to get those rights. Um, However, they, um, to be, you know, you have to be very sensitive not to overdo it. Meaning, meaning there have been areas that have, that have basically over the years knocked out all Gentiles from their municipality. And, and then they just go to town getting those rights. Cause like, who's going to stop them? You know, it's all, it's all Jews all the way up to the, sometimes the mayor of the municipality or whoever is the head of the municipality. So, 
So, and oftentimes observant Jews and with, you know, big requirements educationally and whatnot. And, and so, so that is, um, so, so that is a time bomb. You know, if you're taking too much advantage, you're on the verge of Chil Hashem at any given time. And, uh, and if there is a Chil Hashem like that, you know, then, then there's going to be, there's going to be hell to pay for that. Um, so far there haven't been, I haven't seen big prices paid for Jews getting caught, you know, where Aaron lives in, uh, Brooklyn, you know, the Jews run the show entirely there, you know, in, in that area of Brooklyn and including all the government positions, et cetera. And so, and so the, um, once in a while it hits the fan and it gets a bunch of people really angry, but, uh, because America's more or less, or at least it has been till now. A, not such a violent place, and people have more or less an orderly way of expressing their their anguish and uh, jealousy or uh, resentment. Um, it's been somewhat safe for Jews to take a lot of um, a lot of advantage of the op- of what is available to them in um, in America, but um, but it's uh, it's hard to believe that they'll get away with that you know, too much, you know, and, and there, and today in modern media, like things get exposed real quick. So some of those places have weird stuff going on, you know, like they've exposed, they've exposed like community leaders of like sexual offenses against children, you know, and and it's like, um, you know, that stuff just hits, hits the media like wildfire. Now that person's going to hell in a handbasket and he's, and he's, never getting out of there, you know, and anyone who enabled him, covered up for him or did anything that would promote such a thing is going to, you know, they will inherit Gehenna for, for, you know, for God knows maybe eternity. I mean, you, they probably lose their portion in the world to come, such people. And, um, and so the, so yes, Jews, no matter how powerful Jews become in any particular community, Hey, there's, there's Paul. And no matter how powerful Jews become in any community, they have to be on their best behavior. And they also have to, um, take advantage of services commensurate with the, uh, you know, with their population and, and, uh, or even not commensurate with their population. If they are the population, they have to be careful not to create, um, now notice I didn't say not to create resentment. Because if you spend your whole life jumping through circus hoops trying not to make Gentiles resentful of your Jewish community, good luck with that. I mean, the Ace of Saini Yisrael, Halachi, you know, it's a, it's forever, their hatred of us is forever, the Westerners' hatred of the Jews. That's never going away. But at least don't create, uh, you know, don't let it hit the news at, you know, prime time. You know, it shouldn't, it should definitely be, not be on the news, whatever moves you're making to take advantage of the, uh, you know, a, a liberal, you know, and more socialist programs that, that Jews can, Jewish communities can take advantage of. Good question though, as usual. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's keep those questions going. Paul, what are you smoking in that little, uh, vape pipe of yours? <laughs> uh, can you hear me? Can you, can you hear me? We hear you very strong and clear. You can actually hear me talking, right? Oh, I didn't. I thought I had to push a button. No, uh, no. This is uh, the buttons on your vape pipe. 
<laughs> You're funny. No, this is actually just uh, nicotine. Uh. Although this, uh, which is empty, and and this, which is empty, and this, which is empty, uh, used to be THC. <laughs> anyway, uh, used to be. <laughs> used to be. Uh, but listen, it's uh, a little more expensive than the nicotine version. So. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, not really, well, yeah. Okay, questions, questions. So Let's it's stick with the... the same. Well, questions, questions. I want to hear Ivan's question. Ivan just looks like such a sweet man. And Ari, you must have a question for us. Okay, it's, okay Ari... It takes a second to uh, myself. Um, I don't want to ask how you're doing. That's it. <laughs> I'm done. Oh, my gosh, how I'm doing... Like on which minute? Which minute would you like to know about? Like right now? <laughs> right now, I'm doing great, but uh, you know, there's certain personality types that that get to have a roller coaster ride every single day, and I'm one of them. So, so uh, in pop, you know, <laughs> pop. So it depends what hour, really. Um, on on my my inner game, super strong, super powerful. But uh, so I'm doing excellent on that. And um, and uh, in my work, I'm doing great. Uh, how I'm doing, though, is, you know, it just depends on the on the on the 15 minute mark, I think, per hour. And I'm I, I thought your answer would have been it doesn't matter <laughs> like for me, you know, because on some level, when I when I think of you. Right. And not that this is turning into some kind of like uh, uh lift you up thing but you can lift me up every time you think of you i think <laughs> if somebody well i think of, i think of somebody who's selfless in many ways uh-huh. uh selfless towards his students selfless towards his family to, selfless towards his study of torah uh-huh. it's like you you have given yourself completely yeah and so any of us <laughs> who know you and who follow you do so, I think, more so for that than anything else, because there's this effervescent flow that you found yeah. uh, uh, of wanting to understand it, of wanting to be more into it. Like, for, I was just explaining this, and I don't mean to go off, but I was just explaining this with uh, as magic tricks, since I do magic. Paul's, a, Paul's, like, a, professional mus- trick. Paul's a professional musician who's been on, uh, you know, like, I mean, the biggest shows and everything like that. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Not really. Not really. But uh, I've done some things. But anyway, so uh, what I was saying is at first you learn how to do a magic trick and you just learn the movement, the movement of it, how to make it disappear, for instance. And then over the years, you start to learn different techniques. And then after a while, it's not so much about the technique or the trick, but what you're doing to connect the audience to the communication that you're giving. Right. And so and there that's the selfless that's the selfless side where where you're just this medium of connectivity. You know what since we're since Paul brought up the magic I just got to mention tell you guys one quick amazing story is uh is so so where um Oh is this the bike is this the bike story? <laughs> so Paul Paul and some other head were were in my van um down in the desert because they had dropped my son, just one son or two two sons. I don't know. Uh, we had only one oh, son with us. Yeah, of Rummy. So yeah. I was with of Rummy and I were dropped at the top of the mountains in a place, an area near Madalay Adumim, 
And we were riding down these desert mountains for a really long couple hour ride all the way down to the level of the Dead Sea. Paul and some other character. Who was that guy? I don't remember. Oh, that was that. I remember. Was that Johnny with the long hair, that trippy dude? Was oh, it? what's his name? Yeah, and he's still, he's in, um, he's in New York, uh, upstate New York, and he owns a glass company now that does glass for major businesses. Like glass, glass hair. pipes? Wait, no, wait, no, no, glass pipes. <laughs> no, like windows, like behind me, windows for businesses, and he's making really good money. Oh, wow, wow. <laughs> And his hair, right? You're talking about this kid that we cut the hair at your oh, house. Oh, 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 oh. Remember, he used to be Yeah, yeah, Bernie, Bernie. Bernie. Yeah, yeah, Ber Bernie's killing yeah. He's killing it right now. He's, yeah. Dude, he's great as a wife and kids and just... Yeah, yeah, yeah he made it, yeah. man. He's doing it's great. Beautiful. He should be blessed. Mm -hmm. So, So listen, so Bernie... And and Paul are are the they're the car that's going to pick us up at the bottom of the mountains, which is cool. You know, we're all psyched on that. Nothing like having a shuttle back up back up to Jerusalem. So check this out: though. we had all these technical difficulties, like lots of technical difficulties, and it got really pretty hairy at one point. And we couldn't reach them because we're in the middle of the desert. There's no cell towers out there. It's like a lunar landscape. But we did get just enough, just enough at one point to at least get a message across to them that we, they should meet us at the, at the, at the, um, uh, what do you call where the monks do their prayers at the mosque of, uh, that's called Nabi Musa, the prophet Moses, Moses, the prophet <laughs> mosque, which is in the middle of the desert. Now, I did not mean drive up to the mosque. What I meant was park the car somewhere near the road. And we'll get there. But what are they, these guys, these knuckleheads who don't understand radical... Hey, hey, yeah, and don't understand... Doesn't understand <laughs> radical Islam. Those two pull up my van right up this hill right outside the mosque. So we're like... So we finally get there. And, and we're like... I think Shabbos was coming. I don't remember what was going on. And we finally get there. And we see my van up against the mosque. Now, Paul and, and uh, Bernie look like they could have been Christian pilgrims or anything, you know. But me and my son are like full, you know, we're like, hi, you know, not Christian, you know. And, and, the, uh, and we, we didn't, there was nothing we could do. So we just went up right next to the mosque as well. I kept, we kept on all our body armor, kept on our helmets. And we're putting the bikes in the car. I told my son, like, just keep on all your body armor. And we put our bikes in the car. And then my son, my son happens to be a, a, one of these instinctual types. And he's highly, highly, there's a, a iron you, you know of Rummy. So he's highly instinctual. And he gets, like, I, when he was a little kid, I used to take him with me to, like, purchase used things. And he would tell me what the guy lied about after, meaning before I purchased it, I would take my son out. I said, oh, I'll be right back. I just got to take my son out for something. And then my son would be, well, he lied about where he bought it. He lied about how many hands have owned it. Um, he told you the truth about this. He told you the truth about that it never had any accidents. And he told you the truth about, you know, and he literally has a whole list all in his head of exactly what the guy told the truth about, what he lied about, and with a final advice whether to buy it or not. And he would be five years, five years old, six years old. I used, he used to ride the bus. You ever seen those guys playing cards in the back of the bus? Taking, you know, five bucks a, a pop or, or they got the, they got something under the cups, you know, and they got to move the cups around. So. 
<laughs> so they, it would only take them a few minutes. You know, this would be on the streets of Jerusalem where these guys are betting with people in some alley. So it would only take a few minutes till they finally realize that everyone's listening to my five-year-old son where the, where the ball is underneath the cups. And after a while, the guy running the, running the racket keeps losing and losing and losing. He's starting to look around. And he starts to realize it's, it's five-year-old kids telling everyone where the ball is each time. Because he, he just, that's his sense. So check this out. He comes up to me and he says, he says, Tati, he says, do you see all those Arabs behind that tree? I look over at all these Arabs behind the tree. He says, they're all armed with slingshots. They've been picking up rocks. They've got their slingshots behind their backs. They're all holding slingshots behind their backs right now. And now you should know these are not slingshots like little kids slingshots. These are the kind with the wrist brace and the full on, you know, these are guns basically. And, and, um, and so what did I do? So the bikes are in the car, but now we're stuck because they're between us and the exit. And I tell Paul, I say, Paul, go over to those guys and just start doing your magic. Just do your magic. And Paul goes out, <laughs> Paul goes down there and he's like bending spoons. He, Paul literally hold a spoon and the, 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 you know, the spoon where you scoop the soup just goes like, it'll just like, oh, he's bringing spoons now to show us. Here, so I got to show everyone on Facebook how he does this. Uh, let me pin your video up there. How do I unpin? Oh, unpin video. Uh, so Paul's going to show us how he does this. Anyway, so Paul's been in spoons for these guys, and these guys are blown away. I mean, these people are like, they're like desert dwellers. You know, they're not like normally dealing with these. With, they don't get like professional, like international level mu magicians. So he's got them totally mesmerized. We get in the car and we start driving out. We keep the sliding door of my van open for Paul to jump in because they're all, they all got slingshots. I mean, they're ready to fire. And um, and then even when we get next to Paul, he's like, wait, one more. Because he he can't he can't give an, he can't give enough magic. He's like, one more. And, uh, okay, Paul, you're on. I pinned your I video, man. Once I get started. I... <laughs> okay, cool. But it's very simple. Basically, uh, you see there's a fork. No big deal. You can actually take the fork and you can make it. Oh, wait, you, you just froze. Oh, there you go. Look like <laughs> yeah. No, you're good now. Oh, sorry. sorry, sorry. You're so good now. It, it, it got really weak. It can actually fall apart. That's weird, right? But if you do it right, you can actually... Make it look like it uh, comes back together. It's just a little different when it does. Thank <laughs> <laughs> uh, you. I do, I do get these in bulk. They're not like magic forks or anything. I, I see, I, there's plastic on there and everything. I get these, I get these in bulk. So it's not like they're 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 made uh, to bend or anything like that. These are bought at uh, Smart and Final, uh, Sam's Club, Costco. You know, the one-stop shops where you buy everything. Uh, so it, they, they are real. So I don't want you to think they're fake. You, all you have to do is just uh, rub them, and it starts to look like it's bending. So, you know, like a little bend. But if you blow on it, it goes right back to normal. Back to normal. <laughs> you do it a bunch of different ways. You can actually just make it go like this. It looks like it's bent. You can even do it where you put it back to normal and... Uh, and go like this. You, you just blow on it, and it looks like it's twisting. 
You can blow it this way, watch. You can blow on it that way as well. It doesn't matter. And there's always the same fork, no switching. Yeah, it's always right here. You need to do it like this, and now it's all four. <laughs> you can make it look like it's bending this way. Hold on. <laughs> It's all messed up now, you know. <laughs> and then I usually give it to somebody as a little present, and they have like a little thing that they get to. Let's see if you can see this. Yeah, a little thing that they get to keep, a little memory, you know. <laughs> <Something> <laughs> <like> that. <laughs> that was a, that was amazing. That was amazing. Thank you. So, um, so let's get back to questions and answers. Um, anyway, but Paul did jump in the van and, and we drove out of there like a, like a bat out of hell. Yeah. <laughs> and we were saved. We were saved from our ambush. Sorry. Sorry. My question would be one that my friends V uh, Lipschitz asked uh, in the Facebook. Uh, he said, how do we get Jews to go to Israel? What, what can be done? To get Jews to go to Israel? Um, you know, yeah. I, I imagine that uh, the right way to go would be to um, to perhaps uh, buy buy them here. Um, I would invest a ton of money. Um, I think the Israeli government needs to. Um, it would be smart for the Israeli government to create faces for um, create faces that would be the face they would want to be part of. Like, for example, the Israeli government loves to um, kind of flaunt the liberal kind of secular life here that you can come here and like live your dreams that, you know, why do, why do whatever the hell you want in Berkeley when you can do it right there in Tel Aviv. But there, there are a lot of Jews who, who see, um, who see Israel more traditionally, like as a beacon of light in in moral in a moral cesspool of the world and so i think the israeli government uh, would be doing justice to to um, promote that meaning saying yeah yeah you want to run a tattoo parlor in tel aviv go ahead but but you want to you want to live in a community where where up is up and down is down and there's actually some things make sense around here so that we offer that as well you know so to show the different faces of israel and make sure people know that they, they what they want is here. Um, um, I really think money talks. Um, I think people can be bribed. So, so uh, there are billionaires. Uh, for example, someone who gives a lot towards political stuff is uh, the who's the Las Vegas hotel owner, um, Sheldon Adelson. Sheldon Adelson, you know, he's a multi-billionaire, and if he just dropped a billion dollars in um in incentives literally cash incentives to move to israel you know i think a lot of people i mean uh paul would you consider uh moving back here for uh t for twenty thousand dollars call it you would twenty thousand dollars how about you darren darren would you move here for twenty thousand dollars cash <laughs> <laughs> I'd move to Israel for less. Put me a ticket. I'll come and worry about it, pal. <laughs> so, but I would say, you know, I don't think Darren necessarily would. I don't know about Paul or, 
Um, but but let's just say let's say thirty let's say fifty thousand dollars. Fifty thousand dollars cash to make Aliyah. So what would be uh, what's fifty thousand? Anyone got a calculator uh, to do fifty thousand into uh, um, you know a billion? Cheski, can you do? A, has someone got an available calculator? Fifty billion um, divided by um, how many zeros is a billion? That's uh, it's a thousand million. It's a thousand million. It's uh, six. It's ten zeros. I think so. So, a billion divided by fifty thousand. How many people made Aliyah for that? Anyone know? I mean, and that's very generous. Fifty thousand dollars. You can start a small business with fifty thousand in Israel, in Israel, at least. No one's doing the math for me, and we're all. Everyone's on their phones using this, so they. Isn't it? Isn't it two hundred thousand? Yeah. Two hundred thousand shekels. If it's four to one, it's uh, no, no, not the shekels. I'm asking, uh, I'm asking how many. Uh, you know what? I got a calculator here. I could probably just do it real quick. Here, that'd be cool for a billion bucks. And and there's more than him as far as Jewish billionaires who believe that the that people should be living here. So I think money would talk. You know. You know, a lot of young people, if they were, if they would receive fifty thousand dollars when they arrived, and don't forget education and medicine socialized, so that's on the house, you know. So that's that's going to be a no-brainer. Um, For me, it was really hard to survive in Israel, uh, just trying to do magic. Obviously, um, even knowing all of the best magicians in Israel, uh, it was it was hard uh-huh. to get a gig or whatever. There was already. 20-something magicians in Israel that are some of the best in the world. Yeah, so Israel, so, making it in Israel means having, uh, for creative types like you, it means multiple jobs. Yeah, I think I have probably five streams of, of money to, to be at zero, to be at zero every month. But I choose that, meaning I want to, I want to live my life direct drive with God, which is a subject that I'll, I'll bring up. Maybe that'll be an interesting subject to you all. Is that if if you have no money uh, saved, so then you're in a relationship with God that's called direct drive, and having a direct drive relationship with God is where lots of magical stuff happens in your life. Now I know from a Western perspective that's just downright irresponsible to be living that way, um, but but the but if you're in the mo- no money save mode, you're in a you're in a direct drive relationship with God. And you're, you're nice and close to the bone all the time. And you live with what's called LSD all the time, which is large siata deshmaya. LSD, large siata deshmaya, which means that you're having a large amount of divine providence. Siata deshmaya means divine providence. And, um, and again, it's cool having Paul here because Paul could tell you about this better than anybody. I mean, that guy, this guy goes on adventures. You know, and and will like publicize his adventure on Facebook. You know, you even you played ho- you did homeless for a while, yeah? Didn't you do that? I've done homeless many times. But you yeah, yeah, but I you mean, did that, it like you went and did it. Well, yeah, I, there was a couple times, uh, two times that I did it really viciously against myself uh, for some reason. 
I guess it was challenges. They're kind of like just weird challenges. One of them was 30 days in New York starting from zero. Literally living in a box the first night was what I did. And I woke up the next morning. I did magic on Times Square. I made just enough money to, uh, to have food, everything I needed, and then save a little. And then I went to sleep every night underneath the angel at the 59th Street Circle where there's waterfalls on the inside of it, but then there's an angel looking down only on one side. And I had a tarp that I had in my backpack, plus uh, my clothes was in the magic store that I could go grab my clothes and switch it out. And uh, and then I would take the dirty clothes and take it to a wash interior. Okay, that's a little too much days. That's a little too much detail for Ask Rabbi Yom Tov. Sorry. But, but Paul, Sorry, my question is, being cl- like that's called, a, that's like... That's living really close to the bone. Did you notice divine providence in that month, your relationship with God beyond anything ever? Constant. Uh, constant. And, and uh, yeah, to not be long-winded again, um, I live by this idea of faith-based life. I've always told you that. Like I live, I have this other stupid idea that I've come up with recently, which is to make a, a farce of, of Buddhism, and it's a cow. And they got it wrong. Instead of om, it's moon. <laughs> because I am a cow and I am sated. Like a cow doesn't have to think about eating. It just goes and goes to the grass and eats. It doesn't have to wonder where the grass is going to come from. It just eats. And so, therefore, it just is. It doesn't need to struggle for some kind of thing to just get. It's already there. You just need to learn to accept it, accept the moment, accept the happiness of the gratitude of what you're experiencing in the moment of now. And the more you can do that, the more that you don't have to worry about what's coming. And without allowing your ego, the flesh of you, if you will, to be the directional force, but instead allow what is around you to kind of guide you into what you're supposed to be with the things that you are seeing and the communication you're trying to give to people. Yeah, that was that was extremely ex- no no, but that was extremely articulate, and I think it made. I was watching the faces of the people watch listening to you speak, and there was a a certain a certain uh, maybe even jealousy of of that comes from uh, the disappointment of being trained otherwise, where you are wondering where it's coming from, and you're where you're wondering where it's going to come from, and that eclipses your experience of God in your life um, because of that. Because wondering where it's coming from is already a lack of faith. And a lack of faith mm. is a feeling of isolation. And um, mm. and so there's a, you know, there's just something very, very special. Now, now, in the end, someone who's spending their whole life with, you know, great financial security would look at me or you as like, you know, idiots, or we're like, uh, I don't know, we're like vagabonds, or I don't know what they would say about us. But, um, but in they, the, they, but they, in they the end, in the end, your life is made up of its minutes, hours, days, and, and the, the fullness that is experienced by someone who has let go of, let go of the, the future security for the immediate, um, uh, cleaving to the, the 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 maker of the grass itself you know the um, mm. that means the days of your life were spent super full 
like that's super full experience of life. And so, so in the end, the person with the security doesn't have that. On the street, sorry, I don't know if living homeless on the street, being broke and never having money is super full. But on the, I do understand what you're saying. But on the other side of things, no, it's just it's a massive place of learning to be from the streets, if you will. Uh-huh. Especially when at 30 something, you get to meet you and live with you almost basically for a year. You know, while I'm at, you know, at age and I'm, I'm basically up your butt for a year. You know, I'm like, I'm following you everywhere you go. I'm ta- you're taking me to classes you don't want to take me to on Thursday nights to go see your uh, your your Rebbe the the remember the one you took me to when we saw the light come out of the from his eye from his third eye into the light bulb do you remember that yeah. <laughs> man that was the trippiest night of my life <laughs> you must have studied for too many hours can I tell them the 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 can I tell them the story of when you Houdinied from the seminar. Oh yeah, of course, please. Yeah, so, so as you all know, I've been running a, I've been running personal growth seminars now for, um, for uh, twenty twenty years, I guess. When I gave, I worked in hypnosis for many years, and then I gave it up for seminars because I'm just, I'm such a people person. Like one on one, you know, I'd put people in hypnosis, and I would fall asleep. So, so I created these seminars around two thousand and one, and. Anyway, what happens in the seminar is the only way it works is the way life works is you have to go all in like life only. You only really get to the to the power of life, the magic of life, the miracles of life. The uh, you know, come to think of it, I think Darren also was a runner at one point. Darren, didn't you try to run at one point? That's trip that I have two runners in front of me right now. No, 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 no. I uh, young sir, I went AWOL for a week. I spent four days in darkness and AWOL for, for, for three days in the old city. And it crescended with you standing in front of me after me putting my fist through a metal door. <laughs> Your story is so much better than mine. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, but we got you back, I was, though. I was also... Oh, you certainly did, yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, what happens is I'm not, to- I'm not, I'm not totally back, by the way, but I'm, <laughs> um, I'm, I've qualified, I think. Anyway, your camera went off, by the way. So, so listen, the, um, so what happens is the only way to really get your growth in life is you have to be all in, and so, and so the way the seminar works is we all make a pact. Every participant in the seminar makes a pact that they are going to begin and complete the seminar. They will not leave during it. But but once they're in and they're committed to being in, and I know they're not leaving, so now I get to go full court press. You know what that is in basketball where instead of the defense waits for them to come over the half court line, they go all the way to their, the you know, the, 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 the other team's end and already start playing the defense there. So it's it's full court press in the seminar. Why? Because they're not going anywhere. Uh, someone's got noise in the background. Can you find it and mute it? So I got it. I got it. I did it. So anyway, they're playing full. We play full court press. And now I can push like it's like pushing a pimple. You know, it's going to pop and I can push and um and and break them through that growth that they need to get. 
by pushing hard enough without an exit. Because when you ain't got no exit, so you're going to have to pop, you know, you're going to, and we use it as popcorn kernels, not pimples. So it means that the popcorn kernel is going to pop and it's going to be something fluffy and light and arm in arm. You, know, you ever notice when you open the pot from popcorn, they're all hugging and stuff. It's like, it's like a big coomzitz, you know, whereas you, you put the kernels in, they're all like touching on the least surface possible. It's like an L all plane flying economy. Everyone's like, like this, wondering who gets the armrest, you know? But by the end of the seminar, it's like, it wouldn't go over well during the coronavirus. It'd be germs everywhere. So, so the, uh, I'm thinking how I'm going to have to do it, by the way, post-corona, because of all the touchy-feely parts of the program, because those are definitely going to be out, at least during the social distancing. So anyway, but I haven't run one in four months. Which is for, in 19 years, that hasn't happened. I've been running them all online. Uh, this week is a women's one. Uh, gentlemen, uh, next week is a men's one. Highly suggest you get there. And uh, and there's usually a couple wealthy dudes in there who will help you pay for it if you want to. It's only 250 bucks anyway. And I think I have an early bird $30 discount on Fridays. <laughs> my memory serves me. You know, it's my staff who does all these things. Um, and, and also, since you're all here, is just to let you know again that I've created a I'm creating other seminars, and I've got one called Desire. Yeah, Desire, Capture the Fire. And that starts, that starts this coming Sunday. And uh, I'm looking for someone, by the way, uh, preferably in Israel, who, would, uh, who works in social mar uh, media marketing to help me market that one. I don't want to be marketing myself. That's not responsible. So anyway, so what happens, though, is that the, the seminar participants sometimes we get a runner now a runner is we call it a runner we make it like real culty a runner is uh it's only a week the seminar but the, a runner is someone who who um you know they take off like <laughs> they, they, okay i gave my word but you know my word is uh you know turd and i'm leaving and so they go now what happened was Paul was a runner, but there's, there's runners and there's runners. What do you do when your runner is a professional magician? I mean, that guy can make himself disappear like that. You know, it's like, it's like, what do you do when your runner is a magician? And like a, you know, like world, world-class magician. Like, what do you do? So I had an answer. What do you do? I'll tell you what you do. You put plants, you get the whole seminar. So what we do is the whole seminar go after the runner. But in this particular case, um, I didn't even have time to go to get the group together. I already knew he was running to get the group together to go after the runner. So, so, so what I did was I placed plants all over the old city. And if anyone was to see Paul, they were to send me immediately a text message or a phone call and tell me where he's been spotted. And I, I was just going to work like as a dispatcher until we could finally, um, find him. And I think that point, the seminar was no longer in the old city. It was in the Nachlaot, where I live, literally out the window, where, literally the place I'm looking at out this window over here and in a hall right here. And, um, anyway, the, the, uh, someone cites him, he gets cited. Now only Paul could tell this part of the story. Cause I don't remember. He was like running from building to building around the old city. He knew that people were onto him. Right, Paul? Is that what happened? Um, you can take over from here, Paul. You've got to unmute your mic, though. Yeah. I think they caught me in the very end, inside of Ace. I think is where I was. I was. I was. Uh, I think I was getting a coffee, 
a couple guys just walked up and they're like, bro, what are you doing? I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, they're like, yeah, you know, you're supposed to be the thing. And I'm like, ah, yeah, no, I'm not going to go back. <laughs> and, and then there was a, a couple more guys. And there was a couple more guys. And then I think they were, we were on the stairs. I don't remember, man, but they, they ended up basically, there were so many of them. I had no, I couldn't go anywhere else. And didn't so, they and physically, didn't they physically take you back? I think they had to pick me up. Yeah. Because I, <laughs> I didn't want to go. Uh, but yeah, I, I, uh, so yeah. He, he, I'll take over from there. <laughs> so, um, anyway, what happened in the end is he gets to the seminar and I did what, uh, once in a while I have to do this with somebody depending on their background. And, um, this was particularly heavy. Um, but I determined that this was the time to do this. Now, this is a time-consuming thing. You usually don't have time to do this in a group, but I'll, I will um, do it sometimes because it's just worth it. And what I did was I realized that this man needs to be held. And what we did was we got the whole group together, the, the biggest guys, strongest guys in the middle with their arms, holding each other's arms like that, you know, across. And we laid Paul across everyone's arms with the whole group surrounding him, supporting him, cradling him. And then everyone else of the group on chairs overlooking like so their heads are over him. And the uh, and then I'm holding his head and leading him through what's called a rebirth. And he cried and cried and cried and cried and just like completely let it go and let us all hold him. Paul, you have any comments on that experience? Um, my, you know, and this is, uh, this is a sadness upon myself, not upon you in any way, shape or form. It's the sadness that I didn't in some way, or I still haven't in some way completed my journey, you know, like, um, like we're asking these questions about what can, where are we at? Where, where, where are the Jews at in America? Are they going to be able to get out? Are they stuck? Uh, and then I'm the whole time I'm asking myself the same questions, right? So am I stuck? Am I, um, in my two times being there, did I not give enough? Uh, because you will question yourself. Yeah. Because everybody always says, Oh, when you first get to Israel, it's hard. But then after a while, uh, you know, if you stay with everything, you know, you'll find a groove somewhere. I didn't find a groove either way, like both the religious way or the Tel Aviv party way, if you will. Although the whole time I was there, I was really doing ceremonial things with the Amazonian uh, Jewish people that I met. But that's a totally different story. Um, and so I'm always um, I have always been on a journey for spiritual understanding or connection and. I wanted, you to, I wanted you to. I wanted you to share. To answer, to answer your question, hold on. One more last thing. To, to answer your question from earlier, there's two ways to get to this place that we're looking for. This place of understanding, wisdom, concept, whatever. And that is one way is direct path, right? Right, straight through the stuff you wrote, bottom to the top. And the other way is this this serpent path, which comes as a circle, as a you know. And you see this in the doctor's thing with the stick and the. the it's a very constant, very idea of the person who sways back and forth in life and the person who gets there very directly. And in that direct path, you have to have a lot of 
concentration, discipline, uh, so much that structure. I don't have structure. Yeah, I don't have it. I never have in that sense. And so I learned my way. Right. Is it the right way? Probably not. Uh-huh. Um, is, it, is it a way? Yeah. But as they say, there's many ways, there's many ways, but there's only one true way, right? And so, uh, what was your, uh, what, what was it like to be held? What was it like to be doing that rebirth? Uh, it was, it, no, the whole experience, this is why, this is why I say it's sad to me, you know, uh, because the whole experience was, was very much, um, a release, a, a, a feeling of, being okay in that situation where in other times in my life, something that was somewhat close to that would have been very different and felt different and, um, and was, uh, you know, and, and so, so yeah, so it was a release for me. It was, it was, it was this place. And also because of where I was at the time in Aish, uh, and, and, and being in that place where now I have, you know, friends of mine who are, you know, rabbis in LA, rabbis in here, and rabbi, they all turned into rabbis, which is so amazing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so many from my class. Okay, uh, okay. Listen, um, I think sorry, sorry. I lost track of time totally. Does anyone know the sorry. minutes right now? Let me check the minutes. Uh, we are at. Oh yeah, we're over time. Nineteen. Yeah, yeah. So, um, does anyone have a quick question for uh, for? Uh, I mean, I can take one last question. If someone wants to ask one, this has been quite an experience this session, and I really appreciate Paul sharing so much. Thank you, Paul, for doing that. My pleasure. Um, pleasure to see you, man. Yeah, likewise. Uh, someone have? Uh, we can end it here. It's fine. It's we're at the end of the hour. I have an appointment now, anyway. So, um, everybody. Uh, so, I, you know what I'll do? I'll just comment on on flow and structure real quick, um, because I'm I'm like Paul. I'm a flow meister. And uh, I owe so much of my structure by through marriage, you know, that um, that 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 has uh, had a big impact on my uh, overall capacity to to um, you know be effective on a long term level. Uh, was was mixing my flow with my wife's structure was a was a very very helpful thing for me. Um, Another thing that I would say that was really important for me in structure was was uh, I, my steadfast commitment to halacha was uh, probably the biggest stabilizing factor, way outdoes my wife. Um, that has probably been one of the biggest stabilizing factors. Um, I had gotten to the point in my search in life that, that um, my sanity de- depended... My sanity depended on a structure and, and the structure had to be real or I would have preferred insanity. Meaning, meaning I, I was so flow. I'm so flow. Paul and I like really get each other big time. So I was so flow. Um, but that, that, that my, my, my moorings that were, were all uprooted. I had nothing holding me in at all. And uh, discovering God and Torah, and I mean literally two separately, God as far as meaning in life, Torah as far as structure, meaning Torah is a divine document, because <laughs> I would have rather been insane than be part of some 
religion. You know, the last thing I wanted was religion. And, um, and I still, to this day, consider myself as a non-religious person. I am a, an observant Jew, not a religious person. Okay. When I meet a reformed Jew who, you know, whatever lights Hanukkah candles, I call that religious. Okay. I am, I am a, an observant Jew. Um, and maybe if you want to ask another day, I can explain what I, what I mean by that. But the, anyway, but that structure, the divine, it had to be divine based. Again, I would have taken my insane life over a fake structure, but the fact that it was a real structure was, was, um, was how I could forge ahead with that level of flow. And, and that's basically how I, how I was able to be effective ultimately in my life, as opposed to just, you know, playing guitar in street corners and stuff and, and, you know, helping everyone have a great time wherever I was, which is what I still do most of the time. So everyone always had a great time, except I, you know, I had to go to bed that night and kind of face the next day. And, and, um, anyway, but that was a, an absolute lifesaver for me. Um, Anyway, I'm going to sign off for tonight. We're doing this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, Thursdays. Love to you. Love to everyone. And uh, blessings. And you can send your pictures. Your pictures. You can send your questions to Ask Rabbi Yom Tov. And uh, please click on all the stuff you're supposed to click on wherever you're watching this, whether it's follow, you know, or subscribe with hit the bell for indicators that I'm online or, or um, you know, that share. Please share it and uh, and please join my next seminar, Desire. Capture the fire. Shalom, everyone. Bye bye. Bye, Paul. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.